Okay. Three, two, one. Uh, welcome back to another edition of TMG, the podcast. This is Chris Dufresne of TMG, and we're at our second day in Atlanta in advance of Monday night's championship game. Who's playing? Alabama and somebody. SEC Bulldog team. somebody. Bulldog yeah. somebody. Yeah. But uh, we've got a really special show today. Um, we have uh, Ivan, and we'll have Ivan state his name uh, for the record when he when he comes aboard. But uh, first, uh, we're happy to have John, her son, not my son, but her son of APA, uh, a sponsor to the TMG podcast, and we're so thrilled to have him in person because he lives in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And uh, John, welcome aboard. The first, thanks for sponsoring the TMG podcast and we want to talk a little bit about what APA is and we have a, you know, a daily testimonial from one of our TMG uh, co-founders, Mark Blauchin, who's been playing this game since 1962 or 61. Yeah. Yeah. So we know APA is it started in 1951 as, as a baseball game and now but you have branched into football and you started doing college football in 2012. And uh, and you do other sports, soccer, what well soccer, hockey, and golf. Soccer, okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about the game, um, and then we'll get, maybe get Mark uh, to you know gush a little bit about it, <laughs> weeping about his his childhood days. The the baseball game was introduced in 1951, and we believe it's the most playable game. It's for seven year olds and up if they understand baseball. You can read the instructions in 20 minutes and play a game in 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, it's a board game, but we've also put it online in the past year at Abago. That game is free, and you replay the 2017 World Series. After that, you got to start buying some seasons. We've got to recoup <laughs> the cost somehow. Right. Uh, we created the category of sports board game simulations. Uh, we've got some competitors, one since the early 60s, and now there's some other folks coming up. But we're geared toward the young fan. If you're a Sabre guy or into advanced stats, you're going to complain because we don't offer some things. But if you're a seven-year-old, you're going to love it because it's baseball. And the life cycle with an ABBA guy is you play it as a kid. When you become a teenager and you play sports or you find girls, you kind of drift away. Bob McGinn, who some of you may know, is Mm -hmm. a customer of ours. Bob brought it with him to Michigan when he went to school there, and they would play, when they put the student newspaper to bed, they play have a baseball the rest of the night. You get out of college, depending upon your situation, you may play it for a while. Typically, you put it away until you have a seven or eight-year-old. Whenever you start playing the game, you want to introduce your kids to the game. So you come back a third time. Everybody leaves the house, you do it a fourth time. Then when you retire is when the guys call and say, I'm retired. I'm going to replay every season of Major League Baseball. And they order 1901 through 1910. And about six months later, they order 10 more years. Some guys actually do it. So we just we get in you early, but it's playability. Uh, people say, do you have the shift? Why don't you have a shift feature in baseball? Well, that's all incorporated in the batting stats already. So we're on playability. And we think we're the best. You know, we the, the football game... Yeah. We pre-played the semifinals. I had two of my customers do that, and we got both those games right. Um, Did you get a double over, a Georgia in double overtime? Georgia won on a 50-yard <laughs> field goal with eight seconds to go. Whoa, that's pretty good. Two-point game. 
And what about the other? The, the, Alabama uh, beat Clemson. Uh, it was a one-possession game. Uh, Clemson was first and ten at the 13 and threw it away. And, so if they scored, they would have won. And what about the, then the title game? You will. Do, um, We've done the title game. You've already done it. So We've already result, done it. You released those. That We've already put or, it on our Facebook on. page. Uh, yeah, it's Alabama 36-30. Oh, wow. uh, it's nineteen sixteen. After three quarters, and the scoring opens up, each team has a pick six. Game winning score is a bomb to Ridley. Eighty yard score with about five minutes to go. Well, why are we even going? <laughs> I think the <laughs> I think the over under is going to be under forty though in real life. Uh, uh, it, that's probably closer yeah. to the truth, I think. Although, who would have thought the last week's game, the Rose Bowl, would be a, a mm-hmm. whack game? I mean, that was. Yeah. Uh, I never would have predicted that, but uh, I thought you know Oklahoma was going to give up some points. But uh, so that's interesting. Mark, you have anything to add? You were the you're really the uh, you know the forefather. Of well, our, you were talking about. I mean, I, I don't know if still in existence, but Shredomatic was the was the competitor early on when I was there. That was lost the buck to say that word yeah. in my office. I understand. Who's <laughs> right. right. sponsoring right. you? Not them. Right. <laughs> but but, but uh, the reason the, the Apple game was was so superior was because, like I said, you. Again, I, your your description was my history. Basically, grew up a baseball fan in New York with a big Yankee fan, and once I was like not seven, but about ten years old, I started getting I heard about it, and then all of a sudden I'm playing that game every winter, and and going to my adulthood, I was at the Morristown Daily Record, and and, and the person who's a sportsman of the Boston Globe right now, Joe Sullivan, and Don Squire, who we worked at ESPN for many years, was sports of the Boston Globe. We had a, an Apple League. At Morristown, and we did exactly what you said. We do our work, and then after work, we we go to ball. We're playing, we're rolling dice and playing baseball, and then having arguments, you know. Yeah. And and Squar had this set. We're playing games against each other, and Squar had this this um, uh, nasty habit of when he hit a home run, he would go like this, you know, with his finger, irritating everybody because he would roll. He would roll the dice. Rolls. Uh, 60, uh, 66, 66 was a home right. run. That's right. the best result. That's amazing. So that's that's the that's just that's the game. The game engine is the same for all five sports, and and baseball by far is our masterpiece. Yeah. Twenty minutes. Uh, what people like say is the most exciting is the hockey game. Wow! And it captures the action and the uh, but they are, and so I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that. But that's it's, it's fascinating. We're glad to have you aboard. We're glad to have you in for this podcast. You can sit in and join in as we welcome now Ivan. And Ivan, state your, could you please spell spell your name for the court? Ivan Muscle. Muscle. How do you pronounce it? I know. <laughs> uh, welcome, Ivan, from ESPN.com. Uh, Really, one of the greats uh, in, in our profession, one of the great guys, one of our friends, and uh, we want to bring Ivan in to talk a, a little bit, uh, a lot about the game tomorrow. But uh, Wait, I want to ask John one question: How many seasons of college football oh. do you have? We started in 2012 with uh, it was Notre Dame and Alabama coming the game. Right. So the football game right now has the 2016 Super Bowl teams: New England and Atlanta, and Alabama Clemson, the two okay. finalists. We'll convert over probably mid-April, and so it'll be Alabama, Georgia will be the football, the college teams. Uh, in 13, we did a top eight, but then starting 14, 15, and 16, we've offered the New Year's six. So those right. 12 teams, mm-hmm. oh, so it's out sense. of our hands picking you know, right. the eight. This year, we're going to try something new. We'll offer the New Year's six, and then we had a vote saying we'll try a conference or two. 
and the winning conferences were the ACC, and oh. I think that's because people thought Florida State was going to be really mm -hmm. good, mm -hmm. and the Big Ten. Not the uh, SEC? Not oh. the SEC. Oh. Uh, so that's what we'll do, and we'll see how, how the conference goes. Uh, the MAC got a vote. The American Conference got a vote. We had said we're only going to do Power Five. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Great. Very interesting. Okay. Sorry. Back to your life. Back to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Eyes back to me. Uh, I want to, before we get into the game, and again, we have uh, the entire TMG crew here, Herb Gould, Tony Barnhart, Mark Blouch, and Jersey Guy. And uh, before we get into the game, I want to uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing now because you're working on a special project for ESPN 150, right? Is that, I got that yeah. right about the it, basically the 150th anniversary of college football? Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, the 150th anniversary of college football is in 2019, and uh, we are planning just a huge year-long celebration of the sport, of the history of the sport. And I'm the editor at large of the project, which means I'm the old guy at ESPN who likes history. I think <laughs> so. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, there'll be uh, digitally on the website, we will it will be a year-long event, and we will have stories all year. Uh, on television, it will begin in earnest 150 days from the championship game in 2020, which is mid-late August. Okay. And there will be two weekly uh, TV series. Uh, there will be vignettes, uh, you know, across all platforms of of you know, game day, sports center. Uh, we'll have a huge social media presence with history stuff, you know, stories, you know, anecdotes, and so forth. And and on the website, we'll just have a lot of copy, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great. What now? Is it true? I mean, does this go back to the the first game? Do you start the first game, the Rutgers Princeton, eighteen sixty nine? What should we know about that game? Or do you, well, I was hoping we could ask Blau. He covered it. <laughs> that's, well, that's the last big game Rutgers won. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, is that kind of the starting point, or do well, you predate that? What we're going to do, uh, you know, it's not going to be a linear history yeah. of the sport. You know, we're not going to do, okay, today is right. 1877, but we'll pick themes about the sport and look at them over the span of, the, of history, okay. you know, and. Uh, We'll also do, you know, it, that's going to involve things that people know and love to talk about, you know, rivalries and the big games and, and the best players. But it also includes stories that you don't know, that, you know, we're busy digging up. Right. And uh, it's, it's really a fascinating history, and especially uh, for me, I mean, I have this sort of internal fear that over the next two years I'm going to be the worst cocktail party guest ever because I'm going to be like, hey, let me tell you what I'm working on. Yeah, God, you know, Still uh, working on that. Uh, but to me, this these are the things that ESPN does. They, they do the best. The 30, the, the 30 for 30s. Um, they're, well, that's they're, the they're, sensibility. They're, yeah, their right. in-depth stuff is just, it, it, it's amazing. Well, the, the, all, all yeah. of us have, everyone in this room has done it for a long, long time and you realize how rich the history of this sport yeah. truly is. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, they just it didn't just start in in 1992. Uh, 
Uh, you know, it started yeah. a long, long time ago, and the growth and and all that, and, and it's just it's it, yeah. it's a great, great, rich history. One of the ground rules of the project, if I'm in the room, is it it's not history if I covered it. <laughs> Oops! Oh, well, well, that's yeah. gonna yeah. So uh, no, but it, and to Tony's point, uh, when I say across all platforms, you know, the SEC network has already announced it's doing a multi-part history of the SEC. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, which Tony will be a part of, and you know that's that's the kind of thing we can do and love to do, and and you know they'll have that thirty for thirty sensibility about it. Well, yeah. what's scary is that I, sh- I shot I did my interview today for that. It lasted an hour and a half, and the problem is he jumped all over the place. Yeah. And what was scary was I remembered it all, and, and the, <laughs> the, the stuff the stuff that you re- the little details you remember, and I can't remember what I had for lunch night, right? two days ago. But I can remember every moment right. of, of the Iron Bowl on December second, nineteen eighty nine, in Auburn, Alabama. I can remember everything yeah. about that day. Yeah. So, is the Pac twelve going to be included in the one hundred fifty years, or is there, they have the time zone issues? Are, well, we're trying to limit it to the major conferences. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, sorry, I'm a Pac twelve grad. I don't know why. I, I know. I know. I, I, I don't threw know why the seventy eight mile an hour fastball in. So. Uh, well, as we get into this, one of the reasons we wanted to have you in, it, as we sort of, uh, the rest of us, Herb Gould wrote a, a, a nice story yesterday about, you know, he's here, but the Big Ten isn't. Um, the, Mark's team, uh, you know, bellied up, and up. bellied up in the end after a, a Miami. fast Miami Hurricanes, and I dropped, but Cal State Fullerton dropped football in 1994. So we kind of want to back away and get. Uh, you, know, you are a Stanford grad, you have Pac-12 ties, but you are also a Mobile heritage. You are a Mobile Alabaman. Uh, grew up as a Crimson Tide fan, is that fair to say? Yeah. My parents uh, went to Alabama, my brother went to Alabama, so I was yeah. immersed in it. You are immersed. My first Alabama game was probably 1960. Right. And yet he's able to sit next to Mr. Bulldog, well, that's and they we, haven't really scuffled yet. No, and my, my first Georgia game was 1964. Yeah, so. there you go. Tony, of course, is, and we've talked about this yesterday, conflicted, not not conflicted, we know who he's rooting for, but he's a professional journalist, so he's going to conduct, conduct himself in a professional manner. But you know his, his Uggas are are in the championship game, and we may, we kind of just wanted to have you guys together Um you know, like I said, Ivan, you're from a you know, kind of a split family because you have you went to Stanford, but you have ties to Alabama, deep ties. Uh, and what is this game? It's it's a different meaning for Alabama because they're they're here every year. And and, and Saban's uh, and Tony wrote a little bit about you know is Nick Saban Bear Bryant uh, yet, or will he be if he wins this game? And uh, you know you grew up in the Bear Bryant. It, can that comparison be made to Tony's? Oh, I think it's valid regardless of what happens Monday night. I, I think what Nick has done over the last 10 seasons, and it began in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome mm-hmm. in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game Clemson. against Clemson and Tommy Bowden, which was really the, the what we didn't realize that night was the death blow of Tommy Bowden's mm-hmm. career. But uh, it began that night in Atlanta, and I really think whatever happens uh, Monday night, the this 10-season stretch has been the, the most significant of, of any I know of, and I, I think that includes Bud, Bud Wilkinson, Wilkinson yeah. in Oklahoma mm-hmm. in the 50s uh, because 
the competition is more difficult now. Uh, it's harder to win a national championship now. Uh, you know, Oklahoma didn't win when they were winning 47 games in a row. They only won like a couple of national championships in that time, in part because of probation, in part because of they lost votes. You know, and Alabama is looking at you know five and ten years, and and uh, regardless of whether they win or not, it's six national championship appearances in nine seasons, which is just nutso. The, the yeah, uh, the, the the plain devil's advocate. I'd say that that Bear uh, always won his division. I mean, Nick, Nick Nick Alabama. If they win, it'll be his second national title without winning the division of his own. Yes, conference. Mm-hmm. You know, Bear, Bear Bryant. Well, we all, you know, we all, they always. But how do you? How would you counter that? Well, I would counter that by saying, at that time, Alabama played usually no more than six mm-hmm. conference games. There may have been a couple of seasons where they played fewer than six. Uh, they were only playing a ten-game schedule some of those years. You know, and, and Alabama is, as Georgia will, is playing what fifteen. You know, is yep. that yeah? So, it's a different animal, and uh, I, you know, listen. No one, uh, no one feels more uh, strongly about Bear Bryant than I do. I mean, that was the I, the, the first death I ever cried over. He died on my twenty third birthday. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, I, I think, honestly, he'd probably agree that what Saban has done is is uh, is harder. To, it's been harder to do. Well, and you got you take into effect. It's all about putting what Nick Saban has done into its historic, proper historical context. Coach Bryant's time, three of those national championships in the 60s were when there were unlimited scholarships. You could give as many scholarships as you could afford. Right. And I'm guessing that Alabama could afford a lot of them, okay? That's the three in the 60s. Ding. <laughs> okay? And, so, and, the, and, and four of those national championships were awarded before the bowls were played, okay, and so that right. Nick Saban in all of his all of his national championships, he had to win his last game to win the national championship. So it's, it was point. just a different time, different place. But what Saban has done, you should really not be able to do in this era because there's so many good teams. There's so everybody has money to go recruiting. Everybody has facilities because they built them. And you're really not supposed to dominate the way that Saban has dominated in this 10-year stretch. Yet, Tony, um, you're picking Georgia to win. Well, I've got to do one illogical thing during this week. You know, I was – no, if, if, look, it's real simple to me. If, if, if the Alabama team that showed up against Clemson on Monday night, if that team shows up, if that defense shows up, Georgia is not going to win the game. What, what Alabama's got to do is something out of their character. They've got to turn the ball over, okay? They've got to give up a special teams play. But if their defense uh, is able to, to set up uh, turnovers and score points on George is not going to win. Right. The team that played at Mississippi State and the team that lost to Auburn, the vulnerable, vulnerable Alabama was what we saw the last part of this year. Well, the injuries kicked in, yeah. kicked in all season. For, I mean, this is not one of Saban's vintage teams, yeah. but he's managed – and his staff have managed to sort of hold it together with all the injuries that line. I mean, they lose five linebackers. I mean, everybody has injuries, but to lose that many, was that right, Ivan, five linebackers? Yeah. Uh, you, you, just to get, I don't care how good you are. Yeah. And so I think it's been one of Saban's better coaching jobs to hold this team together to, and to get another opportunity to take advantage of it. 
But it, to me, what's interesting about this game on the field is you know, the teams that have beaten Alabama at this level have all had dual-threat quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The Georgia offense, as prolific as it has been, is a meat-and-potatoes NFL-style offense, which Saban usually does not have trouble figuring out how to stop. You know, it's uh, as, as good as Nick yeah. Chubb and Sonny Michelle and DeAndre Swift are. You know, that game is somewhat played in a phone booth. You know, that depends on line play. And, you know, the Alabama line is, on both sides of the ball, is plenty good. You know, Jake Fromm, as terrific as he's been and as, as poised as he's been as a freshman, is not that kind of dual-threat quarterback. So it's kind of the same, the same thing what you're mm-hmm. saying. If it's played according to, to form, then I think Alabama is the better team. You know, but... It goes back to making mistakes at this level and, and who makes them. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, Tony and I were at that Notre Dame-Georgia game, and I, I think that the Jake Fromm we saw at that point is is very different from the Jake Fromm we're going to see Monday night because he's he's not a freshman anymore in, in the experience sense. And, and whether Alabama's defense can mix up things and force him into some awkward situations throwing I think will be a real big factor in this because they're going to there's going to be a time where he's going to have to throw the ball and if he throws it effectively that gives Georgia a chance but being as young as he is you don't know until you get him out there and there'll be a lot you know there's a lot going on to against this Alabama defense most quarterbacks have to go to the line and figure out where the, the middle linebacker is you know with Alabama you got to figure out where the middle linebacker is and where Minka Fitzpatrick is, is and what yeah. position he's playing and what what does it look like he's going to do. I mean, that's uh, that's a treat. And it's fun to, you know, I, the times I have seen Alabama this year, I've always spent a few plays just watching Minka and seeing what he, you know, what he does. And, and you can kind of follow the game that way because he's going to be near the ball. Right. Here's, here's my question is, is in, in most situations when Nick Saban has – several weeks to prepare, it's it's pretty much his edge. He's got he's had a week. How much of an edge does he have this week or if does he have an edge over over Georgia and just getting them ready to play? Is that a fact would that be a factor in, in tomorrow's game? I I don't know I don't know I'll be curious what Tony thinks. I kinda of feel like the fact that they're in the same league and the fact that they know each other's personnel better than two teams at this level typically would will make it easier to prepare. I, I just think it's like playing Texas A&M on Saturday and coming back the next Saturday and playing a home game against Mississippi State. I yeah. Mean, that, that's, I mean, that's all it is. It's it's just, yeah, it's only seven days, but it, it's what they do all the time. And Ivan's right, the familiarity part. I mean, not only is it the same conference with you and you watch them all the time, oh, by the way, the guy coaching them worked for you for ten years. Yeah. Okay, so... Kirby recruited all of the Alabama players. Jeremy Pruitt recruited all of the Georgia players, you know, at some age. You know, uh, so, uh, in fact, Terrell Lewis, uh, the Alabama linebacker, was telling me last week that Kirby recruited him at Alabama, takes the Georgia job and started recruiting him to Georgia. Pruitt was calling him from Georgia and then took the Alabama job and started calling him from Alabama. So he had two coaches, you know, trying to recruit him to two different teams. Uh, so the point being, this is unusual, and, and to Mark's question, I think that that whole six-day turnaround that, that both coaches have been complaining about 
is more logistical than it is uh, X and O, an X and O problem. What about Georgia uh, essentially being a, having a home game? I mean, actually practice, getting to practice in Athens uh, at a semi, it's not a regular week, but at least they're at their own, fa own facilities. How big a factor, Tony, do you think uh, that is? I don't think it's that big of a factor. Oh, then don't read my, uh, my five reasons. I don't think Georgia wants to home. Because, <laughs> listen, Alabama is something like 10-1. and one under Saban in games played in Atlanta. The only game he's only game he's lost in Atlanta was against Tebow in Florida in 08 for the SEC uh, championship we game. Okay? Yeah. And every other game he's won, and they have been they have played well. They're very comfortable here. Obviously they beat they beat Florida State in the open where Florida State was at full strength. And so I think it, it logistically I think it's it, it's good for Georgia. It makes it easier because it's only an hour uh, up 85, but I don't I don't think it factors into the game. And I wasn't at the game, but I think the last time, the only time that Georgia beat Alabama in Atlanta was 1922, I think. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to ask Ardell, but yeah, that'll we'll, be we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe weren't you at that game? I, I wasn't. I was Maybe that'll be in the ESPN the, special that, that Ivan's working Georgia on. Georgia-Alabama is an interesting rivalry because they don't play very right. they don't play very often, okay? What's interesting, Vince Dooley's first game as Georgia's coach in 1964 was against Alabama in Birmingham, okay? And uh, Coach Dooley has told me many, many times, he said, I was, I was absolutely convinced that we were going to win because I had covered all the bases. Got beat 31 to three. I uh, said, but I learned a lot in that game. Following year, that Alabama team wins the national championship in 64. The following year, they play Alabama in Athens. Georgia scores a late touchdown on a trick play. Goes he was down. His two-point conversion. There we go. The ball. The, punt, man, not that punt, I remember it all that well, but the pass went from Kirby Moore to Pat Hodson, uh, hooking lateral back to Bob Taylor, who went Hodson's there. Hodson's knee was down. High, and everybody says Hodson's knee was down. Hodson, of course, says, I really never caught it. I sort of shoveled it out there, and uh, the there you go. <laughs> what a replay. What did the replay? Ivan, what about 1966? So you still have a beef about the, that national title? Wasn't that the Notre Dame? Sure, Alabama went 11 and 0. <laughs> Notre Dame, Michigan State tied, and uh, th that was that had more. But to you do. had no problems with national titles. Alabama won before the bowl game. When the, those polls, that, that that's okay. That's the way it was. That was that's the, rules. the way it was. Yeah, that, that, that happened. were the rules. Uh, 64, 73. Uh, they lost the Orange Bowl in 64. Tommy Nobis tackled Joe Namath at the goal line. Although Namath always said when he he looked down, there was white paint below him, but they said he didn't score. And then, you know, in the whistle blew, uh, you know. But, the, you know, that argument, even Tommy Novus died a few weeks ago, and, and that yeah, argument yeah. Resur was resurrected. And then 73, they lost 24-23 to Notre Dame mm. in the Sugar Bowl. And who was number Air, one? Air's last game, two, right? Yeah, no, two. he coached two more years. Two more years, yeah. yeah. One, two more years. Speaking yeah. of need, one need, one John, we, go, I think we have a question from the audience. FYI, we're working on a, ABBA's working on a 1960s greatest college football team set to come oh, out wow. in the first quarter. The first is going to be the 1966 season, but we can't find all the stats. But it will have 66 Alabama, Notre Dame, and Michigan State. Oh, that'll so, be fun. Wow. You that'll can play fun. it out and see what Great. happens. Ivan, Ivan, what was the Alabama team with Leroy Jordan that gave up like 25 points the entire 61. season? 61. 61. Yeah. Now, was that a great team or just a great defensive team? Well, it was... It was both. Uh, I'm not sure the schedule was the most. They played Mercer that year? Probably. No. Uh, yeah, no. 
Brian always said Leroy Jordan was the best mm -hmm. linebacker he ever had. And I think the 63 Orange Bowl at the end of the 62 season against Oklahoma and Bud Wilkinson and, and President Kennedy attended and Leroy Jordan made 31 tackles. Mm -hmm. Wow, 31 yeah. tackles. Yeah. Leroy got lost a little bit in the era of that era, the Butkus and Nitschke a little bit. I, I, uh, he did. Was he underappreciated? Uh, maybe. Well, uh, I, you know, he became, you, he's a yeah. college football yeah, Hall did, of Famer yeah. and he's a, you know, he became yeah. a pro football demigod yeah. in Dallas. I don't yeah. think he was underappreciated, but there are no awards named for him like there are. Like, There's my point, proving yeah, my point, I guess. Yeah. Um, this game, I want to talk a little bit about because my axiom, and I'm the old, old guy axiom, and we, 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 we stick to these. Mal Florence, my former colleague, it was always it's so funny. Mal was a great, great guy. But anytime he wrote somebody was fast, he would say, nobody was as fast as Bob Hayes. Every time he, for, if you said Deion Sanders ran, ran the fastest 40 time ever to combine, Bob Hayes was the fastest person that ever walked. Well, my axiom was always about the true freshman quarterback. You can't win a national title because USC tried to do this with Matt Barkley in 2008, 8 or 9 or whatever when they started Barkley. And I said, you can't do it. And I said, and I actually wrote a column that year saying, USC season is over. They named Barkley, and it proved to be true, although I was sweating it out when after he beat Ohio State in the early. But my axiom was, it's foolproof. What Woody Hayes said, you can't win, and where you lose a game for every freshman or sophomore you start. Do you want to tell him about Jamel Holloway? Well, no, no, no. Jamel Holloway, that was not Switzer's plan, was not to play Jamel Holloway. And I, I asked Switzer about this. Hell no, was I, did I think, you know, did yeah, I want... Troy Aikman, why would he Yeah, play Aikman broke his leg. Yeah. Jerome Brown broke Troy Aikman's leg in the Miami game. Yeah. He had to switch his offense. He had no, hell no, did I want to play a freshman? Hell no, I didn't want to play. It's uh, a pretty good Switzer, by the way. Yeah. What's, yeah. You know who, who Switzer's offensive coordinator was? Who helped install and coach Jamel Holloway? 1985? Jim, Jim Donovan. Jim Donovan, the former Georgia mm -hmm. coach. Good point. All right. But getting back or getting back to my point, I said it can never be done. Yeah. It's going to be done. And it was almost done. Jalen Hurts almost it came one second from doing it. And I'll, mm -hmm. I always try to preface everything about, well, he wasn't really. He was an early enrollee. That doesn't count. They didn't enroll early back then. But. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but you know, it's not. That's just not true anymore. These Jake Fromm is, you know, season well, he went ready to, a, to play. He went through a spring game. First of all, he was acclimated by the time he started on September. I mean, he went through yeah, all Nick, that. Yeah, Somebody asked Nick about this yesterday, and and, and he made some great points. I mean, uh, for one, players come in more prepared than they've ever been. You know, high school coaching is better. For two, the system, you know, the, the spread, the spread. Uh, offense is more conducive to a freshman quarterback being able to operate it. You know, it's not so much reading, you don't have to read defenses as, uh, it's not as difficult to read a defense in that formation. Uh, and I think uh, coaches are more uh, open to the idea of playing quarterbacks or any position early because they know they may lose them after three years. And it's become yeah. a recruiting right. almost necessity to tell a kid. And Pete Carroll was the first one, I think, to really do this. Y yeah, you can totally compete for the job. And you give the, you give him a chance, and 
you know, nine times out of ten, he's not going to be able to do it. But well, and, and Jake Fromm can. And the, and the advent of you know, these guys have their own personal quarterback coaches that work yeah. with them. The seven on seven camps and all that stuff. So they, by the time they get to to college, they have done, well. It's like AAU basketball. I mean, the basketball players now, the college players that come into the game now, right. are so much further along because they played AAU basketball all over the world. And the same thing is maybe with competitively, well, not yeah. fundamentally. And here's a question for you, Tony. You would know the. You might have. A, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Is if Eason is healthy, well, yeah. where is where is Jake from today? That's my point about That's Jamal right. Holloway. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure, it's it wasn't Kirby's similar. point. It wasn't Kirby's plan to start Jake from. Right, but, but it could. Would it, might, it almost happened last year with uh, with Jalen. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I remember the time, and we all do, when, when Bobby Bowden would only play redshirt juniors. juniors. Yeah. And he broke that mold to his regret with uh, uh, Chris blank, Nick. Chris, right. And, uh, who, who he didn't have a choice. Yeah. Well, right. I, I laughed out loud when I saw the policy that Kirby Sport has. Freshmen weren't, weren't available to talk to the media during the regular season, so no one talked to... To from until, until the until before the bowl game, right? Yeah, that policy well, needs to change. Well, guess yeah. what? Jake Fromm was was getting lessons from his father on how to deal with the media as a twelve year old little league guy the world before the World Series. Yeah, yeah. that so. rule's got to change. If you're going to play freshmen, then they, you got to let them talk. I understand if they're you know. Well, it doesn't uh, have to change, but your point is well taken. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question regarding we were kicking this around the other day regarding quarterback and. To me, this is a, an anomaly or just, you don't have to have a great quarterback, particularly in the SEC, you don't have to have a great quarterback to win the national title. And we've gone, we went over the list of Alabama quarterbacks, not even. You're saying and, Greg McElroy was not well, a No, I mean, he was a, a great guy. <laughs> no, but uh, the only true, the only player that has really gone on to a successful career uh, in this era from the SEC is Cam Newton. Uh, correct NFL career? Yeah. Tebow, I mean, no. I mean, McCann's he, got a career. He's a backup. But that, yeah. you know, that's okay. And then yeah. Matt Barkley has a career then, and, yeah. and so does, uh, uh, you know, these other. But no, I. but why is, I mean, the pro football, you can't survive. NFL, you can't survive without a quarterback. We saw it this year. Starter goes out, you're done. How come in college, um, you know, Josh Rosen might be the first pick uh, in the NFL draft. The team with him, he didn't play. He went 18 and 20. His, his era, three years, went 18 and 20 at UCLA. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I, I think so much of college football, it, it still comes down to, to a huge talent differential among teams. And you're right. You don't have to have a great quarterback. You, you know, Alabama or Georgia at this point is going to beat you know, they're going to win eight or nine games just by putting on their uniforms. You know, and then it comes down to you know the, those big games and, and do you win them? Uh, it, I don't think uh, I think in the NFL where everything is pretty equal in terms of talent, uh, you know, it's a ne- it's a necessity to have a quarterback, and that's what makes the difference. But you know, the, the guys that. Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State sign. They're they're a different caliber than than what the typical college team has. Right, you can get by without you can get by without a great quarterback, but you better surround him with a great team with yeah. a lot of talent. And he's got to be a smart guy that's not going to beat you. You know, he's, he's he's 
beat the other team, don't beat your team. And some of the great ones are maybe the guys you don't want playing. They're risk takers. I mean, Brett Favre was a risk taker. Josh Rosen was a risk taker. You know, he threw too many passes. Brett that, Favre was a successful college quarterback. Yeah, but uh, but, but you know, but but, but if you're Rosen. but if you're a, but if you're a Nick Saban, and, and do you? I mean, do you want that guy, or would you rather have AJ McCarron or a? A uh, guy that's not going to make a mistake because we're going to. If we don't make mistakes, we're going to beat this team. Uh, but if we have, if we if we have uh, Josh Rosen, I mean, what would Josh Rosen? Would Alabama be here with Josh Rosen? If Josh Rosen played for Nick Saban, don't you think he'd make fewer mistakes? Absolutely. Or he, uh, yeah. at the risk of he would. They would not yeah. allow him to take as many chances. Yeah. They would yeah, make yeah. him much that's more. Good point. Same make way him with much, much more yeah. structured. It is. I, I think the Darnold too. Sam Darnold, same thing. Yeah. Great player. Sam Darnold would learn to tuck the ball away occasionally. Yeah. yeah. The difference at the NFL level, I think, is you have to have a, a certain level of major league arm to play in the NFL. In college, if you do a lot of other things and you don't throw the ball quite as well, it's not as it's not as big a drawback. Which is why you know you'll see a Josh Rosen who's got a major league arm is going to be much more valued than uh, guys at the college level. Well, it, it, it's it, funny that the term you hear about Alabama quarterbacks is game manager, not game, not, not clutch quarterbacks. They manage the games really well. I mean, that's is that valid or is that relevant? And, and rarely do, rarely are people wrong about college quarterbacks projecting to the pros. I mean, it's almost. What Herb was saying, if you can't throw the 25-yard out on a line, um, you know, so you know Kellen Moore is not going to, you know, is not going to be a great, I mean, I knew Matt Barkley, I mean, as much as Pete Carroll was saying it, I go, this guy is going to bat, is a career backup, I, that's why I was so surprised why he was hyping him so over the top, and I was going, well, he's a good player, but I don't see him as a Next level player. Um, that doesn't guarantee you. Like Jeff George had as good an oil. No, I know, no, no. You have to have yeah, other no, but you, but sure. you, it's the other way. You right. know who's not going to make it. Right, okay, okay. Right. You can project who is not going to make it. And I think Josh Rosen is the next Jeff George. That's pretty damning. Well, or, or, or they're hoping he's Jared Goff. I mean, he, he yeah. kind of could be Goff. But somebody like a, that's why I think it's, you see these guys, you know, in the Heisman Trophy winners. Who often do, do not translate to the NFL, but uh, you know you're seeing the selling now, the marketing, the selling of a Baker Mayfield um, as a, on the next level, and he's one of those guys. I don't know. I mean, you, you can. Oh, I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to be really good. Now, okay, so. th- but yeah, he does yeah. not. He's not the prototype. No, he's not. Uh, and, he's, so know, he's Drew Brees then. He's, everybody he's, says. Well, it, some I can't remember who said it now. You know, he's. You know, it's easy to say he's the next Drew Brees, and I agree he is, yeah. but. You know, for every one that they say is the next Drew Brees, there's 1,500 six-foot-tall quarterbacks that don't make it or haven't right, right, right. It. But, you know, all the kid has ever done is win. And he, well, so you know, Tebow. He, he Tebow. operates. So yeah, did, but, uh, but he can throw. You know, yeah, Mace, this guy's got a throw, much better arm. And he too. operates with a, you know, a you know, 400-pound chip on his shoulder because he had to walk on at Texas Tech. He had to walk on at Oklahoma, and, and it's he just – He's a terrific competitor, and uh, and he's won everywhere he's been. Lamar Jackson. Uh, mm. not yet. I mean, I wish he'd come back one more year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. NFL wise. You know, I mean, I understand why he's doing it, but but you know, I think there's a lot of guys out. You know, I wish would stay NFL wise. I wish Rosen and Darnold would stay. I think it would benefit them. But it's hard to argue in that business. 
you know, with taking the money when you're still ambulatory. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's, if you're a top 10 pick, if you, like you said, your heart says you should stay, but the, you I think really your brain can't. says you should stay. Yeah, your brain. Yeah, but your, your wallet tells you you yeah, we've seen that. that. We've seen that mistake before. Matt Liner, all the, I'll stay, Matt Liner stayed and, 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 and lost. Well, and he lost, you know, Luck stayed and won, and yeah. Peyton stayed and won. I mean, it, it it's, uh, I don't know if there are any hard and fast rules, but you can't blame, you know, with the amount of money at stake for making that decision. It's just, uh, I, I you know, and I say that selfishly as a college football guy, but I think also those guys would benefit. Yeah, we're rolling along 40 minutes, and it's gone by like a <laughs> a second. Uh, anything else, Mark? Do you have anything to add to this discussion, or you just want to? You're playing app in your I'm mind. I'm playing app in my mind. I'm thinking of the final score. You know. Projected. I want to see how close. Herb, you have any thoughts? Uh, Big Ten. Uh, no, I, I just would say that I hope that that uh, when you do your 150 year celebration, you give the immortal Pat O'Day his due. Uh, yes. Historic Wisconsin kicker from Australia. Yes, the first great Aussie kicker. Herb, where'd you go to school? Uh, Camp Randall Stadium. <laughs> Just want to get the. Yeah, that's where he got his education. So. Just want to give the context of your of your yeah. your question because it's all rooted usually in. Oh yeah, some badger sort of, lore. You know, badger. Uh, we've we've got our badger lore. And Somebody you asked me the other day, "What's the hardest place to play in the Big Ten? I said, "Camp Randall." It's usually eight below zero there. It's the hardest field in the league. It is, and the jump around happens. You know, at the start of that fourth quarter, you never know if the whole stadium's going to collapse. Herb, is the is Big Ten, how do you assess, do they have a right to be pissed off, miffed? I mean, went 7-1 in the bowl games but didn't make the playoff, or are those two separate arguments? Or is this they are separate. I think that, you know, the Big Ten, I mean, we, we talked about it, you know, 55-24, that just doesn't get it done. Uh, was, Ohio State had a, had a really bad loss. Well, now Iowa has a real streak, though, against, I think they're 5 or 6-0 and oh against top five teams in Iowa City. Yeah. And yeah, it's, so it's a tough place it's, it's, to play, but that said, you can't lose there. I mean, the other part about this, and I imagine better Big Ten spinmeisters than I will point out that the parity makes it difficult, especially moving forward. Because you, you take that division with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, Penn State and um, they're going to be they're going to be bumping each other off in years I think to Michigan come. Michigan State's in that division too. Michigan State. I, I knew I left one out. Rutgers. Thank you, Ivan. Uh, Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, but you know the the parity um, excuse is going to be heard often and early in in Big Ten country, and it might be valid. Well, yeah, the SEC West used that for years. You know, it, it's interesting that these two guys are in the, in the championship game because the SEC is not what it it's has not, been and hasn't been for a few years. But right. but you're much better. I mean, the SEC maybe have been the exception, but you know, as Bobby Bowden proved at Florida State, you're much better off being the best team in a in a weaker conference and being a, and and still being great, where where people can distinguish your greatness apart from your schedule. It's not like yeah. being Boise in the in the Mountain West, well, we know you're, but, you're, but, but, uh, and then I think that's what happened, and then the fact that the, the schools did not play during the regular season, which is pretty, uh, it's hard to do, to not well, can you to explain not Pac-12? Um, hey, it's, it's down, it's down, it's down, and I, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a league built on quarterbacks, and the star quarterbacks in that league this year, 
did not have good year. I mean, Darnold was down. Jake Browning is was I always thought has been overrated. He's a very good quarterback, but not a, a elite. And uh, and Rosen is has spent half his time injured. And the other thing that the Pac-12 is lacking is a a signature coach that can put you over the top. I think they don't have an Urban Meyer. They don't have a Nick Saban. Uh, they had Pete Carroll, and they won national titles. Chip Kelly, I think. Is, is a close to that difference maker, and then we'll see what happens at UCLA. And thirdly, since you asked, Mark, interior line, specifically defensive fronts. As you saw Ohio State, USC, Ohio State defensive front was just ungodly good. Um, there's nothing in, uh, in the Pac-12 like Alabama front. Not mm. – not – Four across. Right. There are terrific defensive yeah, yeah. linemen in the league. You line they, uh, li- yeah, Was- yeah, Washington to me comes closest. Alpha, and yeah. Washington last year I thought was yeah. comparable. And at the Harrison and, Phillips. And played and played Alabama pretty much straight up physically. They, they played did. they played they stood them up. Uh and USC has that potential, but they didn't have the depth, a lot of injuries. Although they played very well against Ohio State, their defense played well good enough to win, but uh, across the board, there. When you look at the teams that are in the playoff, what maybe Oklahoma it was the exception where offense dominated their defense. They don't. You don't have those. Stanford had had it, but they weren't as good this year. Stanford's defense was very disappointing. Yeah, uh, secondary was good. Linebackers are pretty good. They have one front, defensive line. The fronts that Harbaugh yeah. had, and now and, he's leaving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but it, isn't uh, it interesting? Uh, you know, all the games but one have been played. And the two teams that are left standing are really based on defense. They're not. They're not up tempo, spread you out, kind of kind of offense. As God and Bear Bryant intended. That's right. Mm-hmm. On that note, we circled. It all comes back to to Bear. Um, and okay, I think we'll wrap this up. Thanks for everyone for being here. And I think we're back tomorrow. Three for With three. Another guest. Yeah. Another guest. We have a special guest tomorrow. All right. Let's thank you, everyone. Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, thank John. You. Thanks, TMG, and uh, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Adios.